Okay, so hello everyone and welcome back to Watch the Space, the podcast brought to you by The Young Horologist. I'm joined, as always, by my northern companion, Mr Callum Moore. How are you, sir? Very good, very excited. Uh, yeah, all is well. Good How stuff. You doing, I, I'm, I'm average to well. I have an Agronian hand, so, uh, so, so can't complain. Um, we are also, you will be pleased to hear viewers, or listeners even, joined by not Mr Ilkay Olmes. Real shame. We, we've upgraded. We're joined by a special guest. Uh, we're joined by none other than Christian Zaron of Theo and Harris. Christian, thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me on this most recent episode of Peaky Blinders. I really appreciate it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish. I couldn't be any further away from Thomas Shelby if I tried. <laughs> I think that you, you and I evolved a little bit. I'm, yeah, there you go with the hat. I love it. <laughs> There we go. There we go. I, I should have brought my pants. <laughs> Whereas all, all I can offer up currently is that. That's all I can offer up, uh, so uh, I'm not quite the same. It's a pleasure, guys. How are you thank, doing? Thank you, thank so you much. for coming on. No, thank you for having me. This is awesome. I, I, I love doing this kind of stuff, and I'm really excited to just get into, uh, you know, watch talk and everything. Fantastic. As are we. Well, I mean, we'll start off like we do every episode with the customary wristwatch check and, and we'll come to you first. What, what interesting vintage piece have you got on today? Yeah, actually, today I'm not wearing a vintage watch, believe it or not. Uh, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing a watch that I've recently just purchased. Uh, this is uh, Breguet's Tradition. So uh, it's, it's hard to see in the light, but uh, I'll send you guys a photo. Yeah, this is a, it's a great looking watch. Um, I, I, I'm, really, uh, I'm really into it for a lot of reasons. I won't get too far into it, but you know, one, of, um, one of the interesting movements in the market that happened during COVID, uh, weirdly enough, has been this just explosion in, in appreciation for independent watchmaking like uh, FP Jordan and some of the brands. And I really you know, got that itch as well, um, but I'm, I, you know, I, I'm not gonna go down the FP Jordan rabbit hole for a lot of reasons. Reasons. One of them certainly being that it's extremely cash intensive. So, uh, so when I saw this this you know Breguet uh, opportunity, I said, "Wow!" Uh, in many ways, this is even, a, it, for, in my opinion, even a better watch than, than than many other options out there. And you can have them under twenty thousand dollars, which is certainly not cheap. But I think that in the grand scheme, it's it's a bargain. So I just I just purchased it last week. Yeah, I, I remember seeing the. I watched the YouTube video when uh, when you, uh, you you did a preview of it and went into a bit about it. And it's a watch I hadn't really ever given a second thought, really. But it's a very cool piece of kit. It looks amazing. Thank you. I bet so you're much. enjoying the hell out of it. I am. What are you guys wearing, Mister Moore? Thomas Shelby will we'll uh, come to you. What have you got on? Yeah, yeah. No, I've I've been wearing this for a while now. I uh, my beloved Seamaster ceramic, but then uh, I bought. Um, I bought a Bark and Jack NATO with the uh, with the grey, and I just thought the the combination of blue and grey is just so cool. And then I thought, you know what, sod it, why don't I just buy a grey leather as well with it? And I I've worn it for the, for a good couple of months, which um, which in in the scheme of how long I tend to wear things, that's quite a long time. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't. Know, it's just it's just it's just very cool. I think it's not it's not a colour scheme that you uh, see too much of, and I uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, blue and grey together does work very well. And who says you can't wear a leather strap on a dive watch? I, I definitely exactly. Yeah, I love Why it. not? I love it. How about you, Felix? So uh, I, I've I've got uh, I've got my what I call my old reliable on my no date Submariner, which I've beaten to shit. No pearl in it. Scratches all over the place. Dings left, right, and centre. Is it, it's, it's a tool watch. It's, it's, I like that. I bet that watch you know? has seen some pretty nasty nights. I like that. 
Oh, it has. <laughs> and Cal, don't start going into stories about said nights out, okay? Because uh, no. I'll have to cut those out of the episode. But um, we're an exceptionally reputable, reputable uh, podcast, family friendly and all. So, mm. yeah, most of the time. Um, so, I mean, just to get into it, for, for, for those people out here listening um, who somehow have been living under a rock for the past five years and don't know about Theo and Harris, would you mind just telling us, giving us a, a sort of a brief overview about, about Theo and Harris? Yeah, of course. So uh, I started the company as a college uh, sophomore, so second year, and uh, really it was just because I had an interest in watches, really nothing more than that. I, I, I didn't really have a business plan in mind. Uh, really, I, I didn't view this going much further than a college project, maybe a, uh, a nice little side hustle, you know, and that would be just fine. But um I entered the space at a really interesting time. You know, the, the watch world was very different six years ago than it is today. Uh, there, there, you know, was a fraction of the enthusiasts. The, the watches themselves were a fraction of the price. Every, it was like the Stone Age in, in, in many ways, you know. So while I'm, I'm very young, I'm, I'm only 25, I, I, I can't say in many spaces, well, I remember when. But when it comes to watches, I can remember when, you know. Uh, so I remember when yeah, GMTs and yeah. 1675s were $5,000. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. Christ. Yeah. When 14790 APs were $7,000, $8,000, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about, you know, if, if all you had to do was just put together a watch box of the watches you liked back then, you know, what it would be worth today. Oh. You know, I, I, one of the first watches I ever fell in love with, uh, right before I started the owners actually was Cartier's Tortue Mono Pusher. Um, and I was offered that watch for $12,000, you know, now they're, they're not even listed below 60, you know? So anyway, uh, I got into the got into the space six years ago. So back in 2015, and uh, quickly, you know, over the course of the year or so, I started to realize that this is going to be uh, a, a fast growing space, a maturing space, and there was an opportunity. Back then, we were just a retail shop. Uh, we still have a retail shop for vintage watches, Rolex, Omega, etc. Um, but we've since. You know, since we started, we've transitioned really heavily into into video. And originally, the intention of that video was to support our retail shop. But now the intention of our video is really to be a business in, unto itself, which is a, a creative agency that uh, that partners with, you know, the world's most important watch manufacturers. We consult for Omega and Grand Seiko mm-hmm. and Swatch Group and Richemont. I'm doing a project right now with Breguet. So, you know, what what we are today is, is nothing I would have... Uh, thought or even hoped for six years ago but uh but holy fuck has it been a ride man mm. yeah i think the uh the thing is with as you're saying it where where you started it's it has really exploded and i think it probably is thanks to uh you know guys like yourself guys like hadunki good like all these guys have just suddenly made everything a lot more I'd add it's a lot more palatable because you know it's, it was probably a slightly more pretentious, more old person's kind of kind of hobby, and then you said all these younger guys sort of getting involved in it, and then you said suddenly it all explodes, and you know I remember watching watching your videos when when I was at university as well, and you know I remember looking at like sixteen oh ones online, and they were twelve hundred pounds or whatever, and now they're more than double that, and it's I think it's just gone across the whole. The whole market is just, as you said, just just really exploded, and in that's purely down to the amount of people being brought into, into uh, mm. into the hobby. And I think Grand Seiko is a perfect example because it's, you know, they were never really in the U.S. It was never really a U.S. a U.S. sort of focused brand, and now suddenly, 
you know, in the UK as well, this Grand Seco boutiques popping up everywhere, and in the US, it, it said Hadinki and yourselves sort of brought brought this brought this pretty uh, pretty unique Japanese part of what's making over over to the Western world. Absolutely, well. I mean, it, it's hysterical to see how much Grand Seco has done uh, in the United States in the last five yeah. years, and especially you know, it's it's it, when you compare it to what brands with infrastructure have not done. It's hysterical, right? Like, how did this little team, you know, do all of this? Meanwhile, the, some of these watch behemoths, uh, as I've called them, you know, they've done so little. You know, it, it, it's, it's amazing. So uh, yeah. I think that Grand Seiko has nothing but goodness coming to them, and really deservedly so. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I, I think we've said a lot of times before on the podcast that if you, if you compare any Grand Seiko to the, its equivalent Swiss counterparts... It shits on anything Swiss, I think, in the same price range. I think in that price we, we've range, been yeah. saying this for years and years, and now finally they're starting to get the credit that they completely deserve. Yeah, which, and which in many I ways, think it's amazing. Our, our whole agency you know, profile in the business really started with Grand Seiko uh, because one, I released a video years ago uh, about my, my anger at Grand Seiko. And, and, and the point basically was, your watches, it, it actually called, the video was called Seiko Socks, right? It's it very, very aggressive. But yeah, the, it was. The, I remember the, seeing it. Yeah, the, yeah. the entire point was, um, there are people and brands in all, in all different spaces with, with shit product that are wildly successful. And yet here you are with a fantastic product. And, and at the time, they weren't doing anything on media. And I said, it's a fucking shame. Can we curse mm. on this, by the way? Oh yeah, 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 go for it, curse yeah. away. Yeah, I, yeah. I said it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fucking shame that you can't even tell a decent story about the product that actually is superior. You have these other schmucks out there that are doing a great job marketing garbage product, and you can't do this. And and you know, shortly thereafter, they called me up and they said, "Okay, big shot. You know, you've got a strong opinion. Uh, you know, if, if if you think you can do better, then let's do it." And that's really what started our media business. You know, which is I think is pretty amazing. Uh, but, and, and it's something that I wanted to come on to at some point, and we may as well come on to it now. I, I think it's really amazing that you've transitioned into this media element of your business because as you've touched upon in a lot of videos that I've seen and, and we've spoken about, and it gets spoken about loads in, in the watch space, is that for some reason watch brands seem to have, they seem to have no ability to do marketing well, well or even at all in some instances. And as you said, it's brands like Grand Seiko who have this amazing product, but just have absolutely no idea about marketing. And then you have brands like Daniel Wellington who pedal complete shit to people, but their marketing, credit where credit's due, is phenomenal. And I think mm. it's really important and it's amazing that you are targeting brands that really need to market better because their product and just don't. I think it's amazing. Like the Accutron video that you just did, it's brilliant. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, it's first of all, it, it really is a lot of fun. The reason we got into this, you know, in, in part was because there's an opportunity, but really that wasn't it. The reason we got into it is, is you know, as a vintage watch dealer in this era, in this very quickly maturing market, um, there's obviously a lot of money, right? Everyone, every watch dealer is doing, has done very, very well. Uh, and, and, you know, as opposed to most watch dealers that think that it's that they're making a lot of money because they're smart, uh, I recognize that it's, it's just arbitrage, right? It's a unique opportunity to make more money than you're worth and, and that's it. Um, but that's, that's not very, that's not nothing, anything you should be bragging about. That's not anything very cool. It doesn't make you a very smart or, 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 or you know, uh, whatever, successful person. So, so, you know, our push into media really was one more of, of, of pride. There was, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm young. 
what what will what do I have to be proud of? You know, and and I and I don't think that you can put um, uh, kind of a direct correlation between you know pride and, and and income. You see, so that's kind of how this whole thing started with with saying, okay, how do we diversify? It wasn't just the opportunity. It was okay. You know, what is difficult? How can we actually you know make a difference in this community? Hopefully for the better, of course. But how do you actually do something different and interesting? And that's you know that's where that's where we are. I, th- I think there was definitely a, a, an attitude towards marketing for these big brands that has changed over this sort of five years that we're talking about. Because I think back in back in the day, they used to rely on like magazine adverts and and TV adverts, and then suddenly they realise this massive part of the market, which are, you know, essentially people are sort of age who are coming up, and as we uh, as you know, as we 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 start to sort of do do better in life and make things for ourselves it's when we start thinking oh yeah now i want to buy a big watch suddenly the brands that were very social media focused suddenly saw this massive massive increase in in sales as a result of that probably and then i think they all sort of started catching on yeah i think i mean the the likes of rolex and mega the the whole there was there was those sort of focus on like sporting events and obviously that had a big thing but then it's all when it suddenly came to social media that was when the big the big sort of exponential increase was. Yeah, the, the whole you know, paper ad business has, has tanked for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But, you know, I think that you know, most yeah. most simply, you know, look at look at today, how many ads we're seeing in a day. I think the number is something like 5,000 ads, which, which sounds high. But we're seeing yeah. just hundreds, if not thousands of ads every single day. So really, the only way for a company to actually, you know, uh, to, to be heard is to create a piece that that isn't a burden to the to the you know viewer, a piece that is actually something that viewers go out of their way to seek. Isn't it funny that we as as just you know people people with phones today, we are trained to sift through thousands of ads a day, and then when we are put in front of an ad, we skip it as soon as we can on YouTube, and then and then we've created an opportunity like others that where people actually run in the thousands in the droves to watch the ad. You know, it's it's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. As opposed to avoiding it, they're actually choosing to go watch it. So that's really, in a nutshell, you know what 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 we're doing. Um, but you've got to react with with how people are behaving. You've got to adapt. And a lot of brands, um, not just in watches, but a lot of brands. Mm-hmm. Period, haven't. But watches uh, is a great deal. Yeah, yeah completely. Yeah. I, and I think the other thing that I I find really commendable is that you you actually called brands out for their lack of marketing because it'd be so easy to sit there and go. Yeah, but it doesn't matter that Patek only have one million followers on Instagram when they never put anything up because they're Patek and they make the Nautilus and everyone loves them. But I really like it that you were there like, you know, all these brands, what the fuck are you doing? Like, sort yourselves out. I think it's really important to... No, go on. Go no, on. you know what's funny is brands uh, brands are run by people. Brands behave the same way that kids did in the schoolyard, right? The, the kid that the kid that couldn't get laid oh, never thought it was his fault, right? Never. Right? It was everyone else's fault. <laughs> and, and instead of yeah. saying, you know what, maybe I'm a little too fat, maybe, maybe I'm not funny, maybe, I, maybe I'm really, at this moment on July 22nd, maybe I'm not layable. Let's fix that. No one wants to be introspective. They want to just say, well, he, well, he, he got her. He got, what's, what's wrong with these girls? No, right? But that's the behavior. And I, I, I won't call people out by name, but that's still to this day how many, many of these quote unquote marketing directors, which to me is such a, is such a dud of a job, in, in, not in general, but, but the way that it's being done by many of these brands, that uh, they want to blame the rest of the world. 
God forbid they say, you know what? Maybe it's on my back. Maybe we're not storytelling well. Maybe we're not. God forbid. And you know what's funny too is, is in my experience, women are doing a far better job in those positions than men. I don't know why. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a you know, psychologist, sociologist, whatever it might be. But as I see it, a lot of these women are far quicker to adapt and to put their own ego aside, whereas a lot of the men have these, you know, this big dick syndrome, whatever. They can't get out of their own way. And God yeah. forbid they just say, you know what? Let's adapt. Let, you, know, I, you know, The kid, meaning, meaning me, this 25-year-old marketing guy, maybe I don't love being around him because he's a little bit too loud for my taste, but... Clearly, they know what they're doing, right? Let's do it. And, and, if and, 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 and the big joke is, you know, okay, let's say you don't want to work with me. That's fine. I think you're an idiot, but that's fine. But then go work with someone else that's doing, that's doing a similar <laughs> thing or the same thing, right? I don't want to work with him. It's just their, it's their scapegoat out of actually doing work. Right. So, so I think it's, it's just funny to see grown men, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50 year old men behave like uh, 14 year old boys. Uh, God forbid they look at themselves. God forbid. Mm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think a lot of that is them not expecting, you know, uh, as you said, a kid, a 25 year old calling them out. I th- I th- and I think it's brilliant. I think it's, it's so important that they're almost held accountable for just shit marketing at the end of the day isn't it it's just you know they I mean, could be doing so that, much more that could segue nicely into you know how this almost artificial hype has been created around a lot of brands so obvious obvious example is modern rolex in your uh, in your argument there is that saying that what they've done in terms of uh, taking advantage of 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 complete social media hype if Rolex made themselves the most fuckable brand because they've, you know, the, the, the way they can, the way they can restrict supply to the market and they are obviously intentionally giving new desirable pieces to people with large social media profiles. So I remember, I remember watching that, um, talking watches with the NFL guy, forgive my ignorance, I know absolutely nothing about the sport, but he was saying that they were given like five or six of the brand new Submariners. Like the, like the team were given that, whether they were given the opportunity to buy them or just given them, which I, I don't know the answer to, but the idea that they're, they've identified that these guys are going to have such a huge social media following by, you know, everyone from, you know, in their 20s to probably mid, mid to late 30s who probably are in the market to buy these. They're starting to make themselves, as you say, just way more fuckable because people are suddenly so much more, so much more interested in them. It, it was uh, Mitchell Swartz, Schwartz. It's who you're talking you. about. Just, yeah. just throwing in a bit of context. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I see it a lot, you know, and and, that, and on the flip side of the uh, the coin, I've seen a lot of professional sports players try to get free watches from brands and brands say no. Um, it, it's an interesting tactic. Rolex can do it because it's kind of like, eh, what's the big deal? You know, a lot of other brands, if you're giving away t- 10, 20, 30, 50,000, 100,000 dollars in watches, it actually is a really big deal to them. Uh, so, so Rolex, mm, naturally, yeah. they, you know, they, they, they have the ability. Um, you know, is that the cheapest tactic with media? No, uh, it's probably not the biggest punch per mm. dollar, but it's certainly effective, right? I think that a great example, you know, uh, uh, across the pond, uh, Rolex gifted um, uh, Winston Churchill uh, an original Datejust in solid gold after the war. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 you know, who really knew about it at the time? Right, but the idea was, I think that Hans Wilsdorf understood that this story would be cemented in history forever, and the 
the the yeah. trophy the the trophy you actually want in theory in their marketing language the actual grown ups trophy isn't a trophy at all it's a Rolex right that's the idea uh, and 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 fuck me if that isn't the most brilliant you know strategy ever you know yeah. Yeah, because if they get it around enough, then it gets cemented in people's minds for generations. So it's not just like a, it's not like a phase. Like there isn't just a Rolex fan. Yeah. It just means generation after generation yeah. is perceived. Have you guys exactly. seen uh, the that, film Glengarry Glen Ross? No, it, 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 no, I don't think I have it's, actually. No, it's a great film. You should watch it. It's about real estate. Uh, it, it, it's big here, and uh, Alec Baldwin played a, a very small part in uh, in in the film, and he you know, he plays this like you know rich real estate guy with a big set of balls, you know, and he basically, you know, walks in and belittles a lot of the salespeople and, and one of the, and he's wearing a gold day date, right? And, and the watch is in every shot, like the gold day date is so hot in this, in the, and, and, and someone asks him at some point, you know, who, who are you anyway, right? Like you're so rich, you're so important. Why are you coming down here to tell us what to do? Who are you? And he goes, you know my name? And he takes off, oh, I'm sorry. And he goes, you see this watch? This watch costs more than your fucking car. And he takes it off. And, he, but, and, and what's so funny is, you know, I don't know if Rolex paid for that spot. And if they didn't, it's even more impressive. But that, that yeah, yeah, product yeah. placement cemented that watch in the minds of millions of, of young people uh, as, as that, that, that's the greener grass. Right? That's, that's the decision maker. Yeah. That's the guy Completely. I want to be. Uh, it's, 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 it's amazing. And, and it comes down to storytelling. It's not just product. Right. Tell me how many, what percentage of guys yeah. that own a day date could tell you five facts about their day date? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's not all product. Yeah. You know, in fact, most of the buying yeah. isn't product. It's emotional. And a lot. And, and, and until brands recognize that, they're going to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, swimming in the wake of everybody else, of the people that do. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's a lot of the reason why... Uh, I know another brand that's a favourite of both mine and yours has gone on a bit of a resurgence recently, and that's Cartier. Because objectively, I mean, we all know the product's amazing, but actually the appeal of Cartier, even as a brand outside of watches, is the almost the emotional attachment and the elegance and the sophistication of it as a brand. And actually, Cartier recently... I mean, they're absolutely flying from a watch point of view, and I think a lot of that is what you've just been saying about... The connection with it outside of the product. Well, co- and they don't go over the top with like their technical, like you know, they're not they're not out there pushing it's for normal and all that ca- kind of because stuff. Because it's all more cares. about their design. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Mm. And until brands mm. get out of their own way and understand that watch geeks make up an extraordinarily small percentage of the overall market, <laughs> yeah, yeah. then then oh, they're yeah. not going. It's it. Like, we're nobody. Yeah. Watch geeks are a pimple on, on on the consumer. You know, the consumer body's ass. Right. So so to me, it's 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 a joke. Now, are there brands that are only purchased because of their technical specifications? Yes, of course. Independence. Right. The people that are bought, but they're yeah. also selling dozens yeah. of watches a year. You know, they're not selling thousands and tens of thousands of units, right? They're selling a dozen, mm. two dozen, you know? So uh, it, it's, a, it's very, very different. You need to be more aware of what the, of what the world actually wants, which is, is what we tell brands all the time. Mm. You know, I would never produce a piece of content for a brand that ignored the watch geek. Never, right? I always want the watch geek to, felt, to feel yeah. acknowledged. Um, but this piece is for, it's for larger than that. It's for a community far larger yeah. than, than the you know watch uh, watch uh, fan uh, base. Have, have you seen Cartier's uh, recent ad? Uh, How far would you go for love? 
No, I don't think I have actually. We'll uh, we'll link it up in the show notes for everyone listening. But no, I, no, I haven't actually. Go on YouTube. It's about a minute. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. It's 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 an ad for their Cartier Love bracelet and Cartier as, as, as you know in general. I think I have seen and, this. Uh, yeah, I think I have seen for this. anyone that's ever uh, anyone that's ever been in a relationship, right? Uh, you know, even once, it, it it hits you in the gut. You know, I mean, it, 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 and there's no words. It's it, it, it's it's just music and, and and acting, and it's just so incredible that Cartier in one minute with no words was able to was able to make you want to live that Cartier life. They were live to uh, able to make you associate love uh, and maturity or, or, or the process of maturity, you know, with their bracelet. And, and, I, and I, I, yeah. I bought a bracelet <laughs> after it. I was like, I just spent $6,500 because I watched a 60-second <laughs> video. What? And I, don't, and I have no one to give yeah. it to. So I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to do with it. But that's that's. I mean, why. I mean, I mean, I mean. If you need someone to give it to, I mean, yeah. you know, just say. Yeah, just say. yeah. I mean, but that's marketing, right? And and, and for someone like me who lives yeah. and breathes that stuff, yeah. yeah, I have to like take like like a, like a like a soccer match. You take off your shirt and you give it to them. You say, I I I am in debt to what I just saw you do. You know, I mean, that was that was my equivalent. You know, so. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, yeah. that, 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 that's the power of marketing, isn't it? I'll, I'll have to go and watch the, the advert because I, I must admit I haven't seen it. But um, yeah, pretty powerful stuff. Sorry, Cal, what were you, you were going to jump in with something? Well, no, I, I was just going to say about, in, I know this is probably a slightly controversial point these days in terms of, um, remember what Watchfinder did today about uh, getting rid of uh, genderizing their watches. Like it's all, like they're just all watches sort of thing. In I've got a lot of time for that, but it, it was more the fact that in in the in the Cartier situation, when whenever you think of a woman's watch, it's so like it's Cartier. Like there isn't there is literally there's no other watch that is um, so like so so uh, what's that? I can't remember the word, but Synonymous. associated with women's watches, it's 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 it's, it's Cartier, isn't it? It's Cartier tanks, Cartier bound to blur. I think that like JLC and all those they try, but it's not quite. Know, so. Without going down this rabbit hole, I think that this whole thing is so silly. Okay, if yeah. if I first of all, I wore a woman's Cartier tank American for ye- for years before before I bought my Citroen. That's, that, that's what that, I bought a woman's American because the men's was too large for my wrist. Okay, that's what I was gonna say. It would it, there's there's nothing wrong with that. It would be very different if Cartier or a brand refused to sell you a watch based on your gender. That isn't the case, right? So I don't understand why I. What's the big deal? I mean, it is the woman. It's it, you know ninety something percent, ninety eight percent, whatever it might be, of the of the audience for this particular watch is female. Why wouldn't I brand it female? It makes no sense. So yeah, I get a lot of these. Yeah. A lot of these brands, they're just chasing a. No. You know, yeah, they're no, just chasing true. a headline. They just want to say, hey, we're accepting. Okay, and so is everyone else. Like, chill the fuck out, you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean well, that 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 was that was more I meant because it, it said like a lot. Remember the Master Cartier tank, like the sort of like the cheaper version of the of the 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 full tank. That's that's a great watch, but it's usually marketed as well, you're like online. It's like ladies vintage tank. It's like no, that's 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 a great watch just because it's right. You know, twenty three millimeters or something. It, it doesn't mean it's a women's watch. And, I, and, I would definitely. And, and oftentimes those watches are actually mislabeled because that that size actually was the man's watch at the time. Uh, it yeah, actually yeah, was. Yeah, so people, yeah. you know, I agree with you 100. percent But uh, but people, I don't know. I don't know where we're living these days. I don't know. It's annoying because I mean, we all appre- we all appreciate that actually size 
and and this is don't take this out of the context. This is purely in a watch. I was going to say this is purely in a watch <laughs> context. We all know that size doesn't matter. Like, can, that's what my girlfriend all, all said, three. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> all three of us all own a Cartier tank or a or a similar size watch. And we know that it doesn't matter because we appreciate it for what it is and the fact that it's a women's watch doesn't matter. But I think the issue is, it's not that... And obviously there is the issue of brands labelling their watches as female watches or, you know, ladies' watches when they aren't. But actually, I think it's more the perception of potential buyers going, oh, yeah, but isn't that a ladies' watch? Yeah. yeah. That's the issue because, well, no, if you like it, wear it. Who cares? Who cares if it's got a baguette bezel or... Right. You know, or if Breitling have said, "Oh, this is only for women." I think as a, uh, a, shit. As a I ironically, know. a lot of the new Breitlings, I think the women's ones are better. Like you know, the women versions of yeah. the Avenger is like thirty-six millimeters. Like, well, yeah. that's great. <laughs> as, that's yeah. far better than the other. I recently heard a um, a, a, a British uh, intellectual <clears throat> refer to this hypersensitivity as America's worst export. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think he's absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. At least we know. At least now we know who to blame. That's that's. Oh the no! You can, you can blame us for sure. You know. <laughs> but you know, I I, th- I think that's the issue, isn't it? It's it's the, I think it's people worrying too much about what other people think, which is the old classic. But look, Muhammad but Ali wore a twenty three mil tank, so and he'll you know, and he'll kick your ass. Just... Exactly. <laughs> so that just puts the whole thing to bed straight away, doesn't it? Like yeah. you know, it's a non issue. Exactly. Where, where, I prefer uh, smaller. You know, a lot of my it's all it's all cultural, right? It, 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 I'm, I'm I'm Italian, and, and 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 weirdly enough, I never took part in this, but uh, in Italian American culture, for whatever reason, uh, even tough guys get their their manicure done. I I've never done it. I don't understand. But like, it's just like a it's just cultural weird norms that we all have, right? Or that, that different cultures have. And mm. and and who is someone to tell me that my watch is a woman's watch? And if they do, I'm like, okay, yeah, you're, yeah, they probably would look good on your wife. You're right. Speaking of which, go grab a drink while I speak to your wife. You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Did that? Um, so you know, if we talk about sort of like the the, the weird cultural aspects, I. When I was sort of like 18, it was, my dad was like, oh, I want to get you a watch. So that's, that was just sort of, it was just seen like, oh, when you're 18, that's, that's, a, that's a nice thing to do, you get a watch. And I was wondering if over on in America or in general in the, in the Italian-American community, is that the same, is that the same sort of idea? Or? I don't really think it is as much. Of course it exists. I do see it. Um, but, but from what I understand, uh, you know, in, in Europe and wherever, all over, it is far more, um, it's far more prevalent. Uh, in America, you definitely yeah. get a lot of, a lot of women get jewelry, um, but men for their graduations, I don't know. I think I knew more guys that got like laptops than they got watches. You know, they were, just, and I don't, I don't mean because they had to pick one or the other. They just didn't care about it. Who, who wants a yeah. watch? You know, so it's it's kind yeah, of weird. Yeah, yeah. Watches seem to be something that uh, that some people find it interesting independently, not that they're pushed into by their families. Mm. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's. it's I think uh, we. It seems so, to I very think much. We probably found that we found interest without, um, without parents' influence, but then maybe. Maybe that's subconscious. Yeah, right. I, don't know. I mean, my my dad was always a bit of a watch guy. So. Yeah, and and from what I understand, you know, uh, uh, again, in in a different culture in Europe and the United Kingdom, wherever it might be, I mean, it's uh, it's it's 
not so much that it, you were forced into watches as it is it's everyone needs one watch you just men have a watch that's it it doesn't mean you need to obsess mm -hmm. over it. it doesn't mean you need to know a lot about it it doesn't mean to be an expert but a gentleman needs a watch that just seems to be a default kind of culture and i think that the only way that that would yeah. that would present itself in this country would be if all of the conglomerates got together and said, hey, let's try to move American culture, but they won't work together like that. You know, it's, it's in a similar way to how the cigarette industry in the States, you know, all work together. They, they, they pooled their funds to show everyone that cigarettes were healthy, you know, which obviously wasn't the truth. Mm -hmm. uh, the watch conglomerate would, conglomerates would need to actually work together, which that won't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, no, I, can imagine, I, I think there has been a shift in the mainstream uh, in Europe, definitely in terms of, again, with younger guys, as you said, it used to be sort of the minority of like watch nerds and then as you said people who uh, appreciated, oh yeah, it, you know, it, for men, it's, you know, it's, it's one of the only sort of things we have outside of cars and suits as you can sort of express yourself right. with. But then I think we've seen recently over the last couple of years, suddenly people with no interest in watches are suddenly starting to know who Rolex yeah. are, who, Patek are, who Amiga are, in, and I, I definitely think that's, it. just, you know, I was always known as the watch nerd around my mates, and they would always be like, oh, blah, 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 and then, like, two or three years later, they'd send me a message, be like, oh, yeah, Carl, you know, I want to get a watch, you know, what what, what should I get, sort yeah. of thing, asking for advice, and again, I was wondering if in the US, you know, the, the, the sort of mainstream, the mainstream interest, is that, is that increased, or is that going the other way, because I know everyone's a bit more techie uh, over there. The, the, the watch community is getting a much, a, a much larger quarter over quarter. The, the watch industry is doing very well. Is it even approaching mainstream yet? No. No, it, it's, it's not even in, in, in the ballpark of mainstream. No, but mm. it, it, it will be. I think it will be at some point. Um, but uh, but right now, it's still it's still yeah. not a secret society, you know. But you know, comparably speaking, uh, <laughs> you know, it is. But mm. then I think, in a way, that's quite nice because I don't know about you two, but I'm not sure I would want the interest levels that we all have to become mainstream. I feel like it's nice to have an interest in something that's that's so interesting and so technical and is such an appreciation amongst fellow watch geeks. Right. I, I, I think it would sort of, it would taint it a bit if, you know, Joe Bloggs down the road was as much of a watch geek as you were. I think it's nice that it's it's an occasional, it's an occasion that you find someone who is as interested as you are. I think it's For, it almost important. Special, Felix. For sure. Yeah, exactly. And, but you know what's funny though, now that you're you yeah. know, kind of making me think about, you know, what, what, are, what are my, you know, my age group, what is everyone interested in? I, I can't tell you anything. I mean, what are men my age interested in? In America, or at least where I grew up, nothing. Nothing. Most of them aren't literate in cars. They don't read, per se. I think that they're... they're, they're I, I don't know what they do. They, they, I mean, they, they drink. I drink, too. But I, I, I really can't even tell you one cultural shared interest that, that we have. I don't. I can't tell you. I mean, which is odd. It seems odd. No. Uh, but there's... I mean, maybe sports. Sports would be the single yeah, you know, yeah, medium yeah. that most American youth or you know, men can say, yeah. okay, yeah, we all agree on this. Um but that's really it. Yeah. But then but then but then I think in a way that's credit to you because I'm sort of the same. I don't feel like you are 
I don't feel you're like a, a you know representative of twenty five year old Americans. I can't. I don't think many other Americans have as much of a passion for Belgian loafers as you do, for example, or watches. And I'm the same. <laughs> and I think that's good. Don't for like, sure. Don't draw comparisons to bog standard, but you know bogo Americans. You know. Yeah. No. You know. You're absolutely. Listen. <laughs> it's if, a good thing. if everyone was as cool as I am, um, I wouldn't be cool. You know. So. <laughs> exactly. That's the way to look at it. Exactly. No, Stole the uh, words out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's funny. It's, but no, it's inter- it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? You know. No, you're exactly. Right. I think it's. Uh, I think it needs to remain a, you know, a, a small minority of the population who are interested. And, and, I think it's. I think it's important but, for the interest in the hobby. But as it continues to grow, you're going to see prices continue to rise exponentially, uh, in, yeah, in both yeah. the vintage market and in the modern market. Um, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that most people, most watch people, understood that um, that they were living in the beginning five years ago and uh, and that it's 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 becoming very different and it's not going more i think more people think that everything is inflated and will deflate whereas the reality is yes there are some inflated markets but holistically it's only going up from here for a while so i think that people don't understand that no so that, that's an interesting point and and, and I, I don't disagree with you at all that the prices of watches are going to keep going up more so in the popular models so it's something that cal and i actually spoke about on a podcast that hasn't come out as of yet because yeah. i haven't edited it um we were talking about how it's getting increasingly difficult in modern and even more so in vintage to still find good value so what do you think if if gun to your head you had to pick a value proposition vintage and modern what would you go for currently? Because it's something that we talk about a lot, and actually, we think it's really difficult to pick things that are still that still present genuine value. Well, so, what, like budget budget wise, where are we? Uh, let's say, I don't know, Cal. What do you reckon? Why don't we say anywhere up to five grand? What do you think is good value? I know that's a, yeah. quite a big spectrum, no, no, I mean, but you know, I, I think, think that's what we're playing with. I think I can keep it basically around $2,000 in vintage. Uh, vintage Omega still represents a ton of value. Those watches will go up by 50%, 60%, 100%. They absolutely will. Um, these watches are too good for the amount of money they still mm. cost. Uh, the details, the, the build quality with an independent manufacturer back then, it's historically important. I mean, everything about these watches uh, leads me to believe that they're underpriced. Um, and then in the modern world, you know, of, co- of course, Grand Seiko comes to mind. Uh, you know, I, I, like I said before, this Breguet is tremendous value, of course, a little bit more than $5,000, but that's a piece of value. Um, in, in, in like neo-modern Rolex or neo-vintage Rolex, rather, uh, I think Explorer 2s are still relatively undervalued. Uh, you know, under under ten thousand dollars, really around seven and eight. I think that if you want to take it a step up a notch and you get into the Tritium Explorer twos with custard plots, you could still have those around twelve, and those represent a lot of value. They will continue to rise. Those watches will be sixteen, seventeen thousand dollar watches, no doubt. Uh, I've owned maybe five of them in the last five years, and I've loved every single one of them. I've always said they were going to go up. I don't know why I didn't keep one. I'm an idiot, um, but hey. 
Um, but but yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, uh, Grand Seiko is a great great example. Ming is a great example. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I Ming, don't have yeah. one. I, I have sold a couple. I don't have one. Um, but but the the uh, everything from theory, architecture, you know, everything is is done really really well and finishing. Uh, what are other watches? I mean, I think that's that's really that's a good starting point. I mean, there, yeah. there are watches with value. It's just a matter of perspective, which the- people don't have. It's very encouraging the, 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 to hear that someone who actually knows what he's talking about has said two brands that Cal and I also spoke about being Vintage Amiga <laughs> and Grand Seiko. That's it's good, good validation. We, it's good validation. Exactly. Yeah. It shows that we may know a thing or two. But no, it's a very good point. And actually Ming's an interesting one because I think, it, I think it's a, it's, it's, the thing that's great about Ming is, okay, it is accessible, but obviously they, everything is limited edition of very small pieces and it seems difficult to get one. But in terms of independent and affordable, they bridge the gap very nicely because they are an independent brand and they are affordable in inverted commas. And I think actually they are, they're a brand that probably don't get enough credit, really. Certainly not in the mainstream. Amongst watch geeks like us, they do. But they're a very interesting brand and that's not someone I would normally recommend if someone said what's a good watch at a good price that I should get into. But yeah, yeah they've won that almost... Yeah. Mm. They've almost immediately doubled in value because I remember when they were retailing on the first few iterations, they were sort of 1,500 quid, that sort of area. Yeah, and now you're finding them for yeah, about three grand, yeah, aren't you? Something like that, yeah. So they've almost doubled what, you know, in, a, in a very short amount of time. What's the difference between quid and pounds? Uh, nothing. That's the same thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah they're exactly it's the like, same. Uh, it's like quid is just a bucks. colloquialism. It's like dollars and bucks. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quid is our bucks. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to yeah. start using yeah. it. I'm going to. I'm going to start using yeah. it. Yeah. Why not? No, it. it's funny. My uh, my mom, who works Why for the not? company, she runs our office, all shipping and logistics, customer service, etc. She uh, she's so fascinated by all uh, historical TV shows that have to do with Britain, and uh, I I don't know why. And uh, every time I turn around, she's talking about this <laughs> queen or that queen or this and that and this 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 you know tragedy and this and that. And, and I and I say she goes, why don't you care? And I said, we won, we won the right not to care quite a few years ago, you know. <laughs> 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 I, we, yeah, haven't, exactly. we haven't had to care about British politics in a long time, you know. Exactly. And thank God you the, don't, because it's almost as, as turbulent at the moment as US politics, to be honest. The, yeah. the, but we won't the, get the into that. Shit so, the we crown shit so that. popular in the US, though, isn't it? What was that? Like the crown oh, yeah. and Downton Abbey. It's huge. I think it might be more popular over there than it is over here. That's what I mean. Because I remember, I remember watching it in, um, like, my, my girlfriend's sort of uh, flatmates are all Italian and, and Spanish. And they were absolutely fascinated by watching it. And then they'd ask us, you know, as if we knew about all this stuff. And I don't have a fucking clue about any of yeah. it. Like, Diana maybe a little bit, but the rest of it, I didn't have a it's clue. Like it's, it. I barely knew their name. If, if I'm in California on business and I say I'm from New Jersey, they go, oh, wow, so do you know The Sopranos? No, I don't. It's a TV show. They're actors. <laughs> it's, it's a TV show. Just like all TV shows, it's fake. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Exactly. It's I did it's go through life. a massive Sopranos phase, to be fair. No, so it's I can, a cool, I can appreciate it's a great the, show. I love the, it. The, but it's funny. Everyone yeah, yeah. always like, uh, so is it real? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, I, I'm going to have to admit, I, I've never seen a single second of The Sopranos. 
It is. Well, good. And, and it's, and it's great for watches. You know, Tony Soprano wears a day date. Uh, yeah, yeah. And people, yeah. people, a lot of guys on say a presidential. They, a lot of people want day dates. Naturally, it's a fantastic watch. That bracelet is beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot yeah, of yeah. people also uh, feel that thirty-six millimeters is too small, but thirty-six millimeter day dates are like twelve thousand dollars, whereas you know forty millimeter day dates are forty thousand. So a lot of guys are like, "Wow, I don't think I can go for the forty. I just don't. I don't have like forty thousand dollars for a watch." But thirty-six millimeters is too small. And I said, "Well, what do you mean too small?" Hello, everyone. Uh, sorry for the slight uh, interruption in the podcast. It was at this moment in the recording that Cal's girlfriend Anna, hi Anna, uh, thought that Cal had finished recording and decided to come in, having had what I assume to be. A couple of beverages. Uh, so that just explains the laughter that you were just about to hear. But stick with us. It only lasts for 30 seconds or so, and then we get back into it. Small. Uh. What do you mean too small? And uh, it's not like porn. Nobody said, what do you mean too small? And, Can you? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they said, uh, this, and, and, and I'm sorry, I was laughing. I apologize. I said, what do you mean too small? <laughs> and, and, and he goes, uh, uh, you know, I, don't, I feel like it's, it's, a woman, it's a woman's watch. And I said, well, is Tony Soprano a woman? <laughs> I'm sorry. There is, there is. Oh, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Easter weekend house party going on downstairs currently. <laughs> I think that may have been Anna. Sounds I like believe. it, yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway. But you know, yeah, it's it's a good point. But then that, that, that links back, and we won't get back into it because we've already spoken about it. It goes back into the whole thing about perception of, of wrist sizes because it's such a shame that people are going, oh, well, I can't afford a 40 mil day date, but 36 is a lady's watch because we all know it's not. 36, I think, is the sweet spot for a day date. And it's oh, just so, sure. what so did, many what people. What did Tony Soprano that. wear? Tony's Brian 36, 36, doesn't he? No, no, it's it? 30, 38, uh, 36 millimeter, 1838, uh, 238, yeah. It's a, it's a great watch, yeah. you know, and, uh, and his uncle yeah. wore a two-tone... And he's a big man as well. He's a big man, yeah, he's a big man. It, I think it's, yeah. it's a great looking watch on, on really yeah. anybody, you know. I, 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 really, I really do think that. And frankly, the 40 mil, millimeter watches, they are pretty big. I mean, that watch is blingy. That watch is a lot blingier in forty than thirty six for sure, yeah. and uh, you yeah. know I think that that, that watch I think the best the, the the best example of a forty millimeter day date that I've seen that just look amazing Jonah Hill uh, American actor wears a forty millimeter day date sometimes and on his wrist because it's kind of small wrist it looks like it looks it looks amazing that that, that I'll say um, but uh, but Kanye West wears a thirty six millimeter day date uh, he I was about to say crash and yeah. a whole bunch of other yeah he's a proper Cartier crash I had a 1991 crash uh, in inventory for two weeks and, and I, I love how I, 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 I genuinely I, I remember seeing you put that up on your Instagram and I went well that's he, that's never going to go on the website he's not going to sell yeah. that surely it, that must have been a hard one to let go were you tempted to keep <laughs> yeah. it yeah yeah that was a hard one yeah I was tempted yeah for sure for sure uh, I you know it's just, it's just a, it's a lot of money it's a lot of money. When, when I bought that watch, um, I thought that I paid fair mm. market value. Um, I, I bought it quickly. The first two offers that I got on the watch would have made me lose fifteen or $20,000 wow. each, like each offer. 
Jesus. And I said, oh, wow, I'm in trouble. I screwed up, right? Then there was one coming to auction. And uh, I said, I'm going to wait till auction and see yeah. what happens. Because the result of that auction will change the value of this watch. That watch sold at auction, I think, for 110000 mm. and I let's say I let's say I didn't lose any money on the sale of mine, thank God. Uh, but uh, but it was it was a hell of a ride. It was scary. It was it was scary. Oh, I can imagine. I I'd, I'd love to even see one in the flesh. It's it's been such a favorite of mine for so many years, and I've just never. They're, they're so rare, you just never really get to see them. But it's a very very cool piece of kit, and Kanye wearing one as well. I mean, that's just. Cool. And again, did anyone have that watch before? I mean, I first saw it on that Talking Watches episode with uh, the Apple guy. Matt, Matt Jacobson. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I swear that was the first time I'd ever heard, ever seen that watch before. I mean, was that, you know, that was quite a few years that, ago. That, that so. might have been the first time that I had seen one. Yeah, too. me three, I, 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 think, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. They're, they're, exactly. Very, they're very rare. Uh, I, I, I don't know production numbers, but I think that uh, you're talking about dozens you know single digits you know a, yeah. a dozen that's double digits mm. but i'm talking about two two a year one a year three I'm talking very low numbers of course that production run did run quite a while uh, i don't think that they stopped manufacturing the large crash uh until 1991 they produced them right up until 91 and then of course the 91 model is no. the smaller model which is less yeah. valuable um but uh but those watches are they're, they're million dollar oh, watches yeah. the big ones the original Cartier Crash Lemons, they will be $1 million. Just so cool. And it, and it shows the, the, the link between auction prices and just the general vintage market, as you were saying, because, again, the whole Daytona's, that's been driven by, by auction results. In, uh, yeah. like, Patek, that's some of, the, some of the sort of Patek steel, again, that 1518, that suddenly just sent everything... Anything Patek vintage mm. and steel suddenly became mega. I saw mega that. Rare. I saw that uh, watch in, uh, in person. That, that, that it was at Phillips. Um, I, I was actually at Phillips yesterday for a, for a preview. Uh, they have some great pieces in their in their collection. Right right now they're they're auctioning off a um, a yellow gold Cartier Mono Pusher Ooh. modern, right beside the original Torque oh. Mono Pusher, the original. So they've got the modern and the original. Right? Yeah, it's 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 very cool, man. I mean. Yeah, I, they've got a whole host of uh, of obviously Nautilus uh, thirty seven hundred as well as fifty seven eleven, and and I've I, I've held and worn both, um, but this is the first time I got to see them side by side, I believe, and the biggest difference that I saw, I mean, of course there are quite a few differences, but but the biggest difference from a uh, two differences from a proportions perspective, um, one the clasp on the thirty seven hundred even is. Thinner in, in in diameter than the um, than the class on the fifty seven eleven. I believe the class of thirty seven hundred goes down to fourteen millimeters, which is I mean that's yeah. narrow, you know. And also the bezels, the bezels on the on the on the thirty seven hundreds are far thinner than the bezels on the fifty seven elevens, much more bulbous. So I you know I far prefer the thirty seven hundred, and I far prefer the fifteen two hundred two AP over the fifty seven eleven. I actually don't like the fifty seven eleven all that much. Uh, I, I I like the watch. I mean I, I would buy it. I would yeah. own it. Fine. Um, I wouldn't probably I wouldn't pay a premium. But it's not as nice uh, as as a lot of other options out there. I'd rather have an Odysseus personally, or a Vacheron, overseas, just personally, just personally. Yeah. yeah. 
So, yeah, how do you feel about the Odysseus? Well, so neither of us, and unless you've seen one, Callan, you just haven't told me. Neither of us have seen them in the flesh. But uh, so we're speaking one, no. very objectively. And Christian, I don't know whether you've had a chance to see one in the flesh. But I think yeah. if you take the hype away from the Nautilus and the Royal Oak, which obviously is a big part of their appeal, I think that the finishing of Langer and the movement architecture and maybe even the history, to be honest. I I connect more with it in general than I do with anything that AP... that AP make, or Patek make. Well, maybe, to a lesser extent, Patek, but certainly AP. And I, I think just aesthetically it appeals to me more, really. It's, it's, my, my opinion of it is very top-level, really. I, I, it just... It does more for me. Yeah. The only issue I sort of have with it is the fact that Elanga sort of prided themselves on being this dress watch, and they said, "We only make stuff in precious metals. We only make dress watches." And then they go, "Oh, actually, but here's a steel sports watch." It is that. That's the only issue I sort of had. Like it, it just went away from their original USP of being a, a pure dress watch brand. But I do, I do get it completely, and I just think, as you said, if you take everything that you know about Langer, like the Langers I've seen in person, as you said, when you sort of hold them, that the proportions are excellent, everything, the finishing of it's excellent. If you put that into into the idea of that steel, it, it probably is absolutely outstanding. And it's weird that we haven't seen them. I, I would have thought we would have we would have seen them by yeah, now. Yeah, they. I I don't think do I've know, seen I've I've seen very like few in very the world run. at all. It's a bit like the Hadinki travel clock. It just doesn't really seem to exist, <laughs> does it? Oh, yeah, that's funny. I, you know, I, I haven't seen anyone post the Hardinky Travel Club. No, yeah, no exactly. I think it's a big conspiracy. I think we won't go... I feel like that's a whole episode in of itself. But, uh, yeah, I've seen approximately zero anywhere on the internet. So uh, make of that what you will. Yeah. Let's just put it that way, but... Yeah, yeah. Bobby, I, I guess the main question coming out of, of this whole sort of conversation is where do you see the next five years going? In, in, in the watch market in general, because you say you're seeing the Patek Nautiluses in pretty much anything Rolex make at the moment, just, just keep going up. And then you, you obviously said that you, you think it will, the prices will continue to go up and they'll carry on, but it's just whether how sustainable that rapid growth is. Because you know when you go on to Chrono 24 and you see the prices of 57 11 More than that, they're, they're like 100 60 at the grand, moment. 60, 70 grand, and it's... 100, 100. Well, for, for a time only. Yeah, $100,000, $100, yeah. Uh, so, so, so I... I think that the manufacturers are stable and sustainable. I do not think that the gray market is. Uh, the gray market business went from you know being able to offer watches, let's say like the Speedmaster, that you can get in an AD, but they could offer it for cheaper. That was a sustainable business. Um, now the gray market has become basically um, the guy with the watch you can't get in the store at a premium. I don't think that that is sustainable. I do not think that, that, that something will happen with that. I think um, something. I don't know what. Uh, it, you know, very simply, it could be you know Rolex hits the ads with a penalty if they screw up and give the watch to the wrong person who then goes yeah. and flips it. That that could be it. That, 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 and, and with and with rule like that, with quote unquote legislation like that, that whole business collapses. Period. End. Uh, those watches will not end but surely, up in the market. Well, surely, like Rolex, almost yeah, maybe they almost enjoy it because he said that the allure of the watch goes up when suddenly you see yeah. it being sold for twice its value online. Like it's, you know, it's like Yeezys and those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, but like, Rolex, people are like, oh my god, did you see how much it's selling for? Rolex, 
I agree with you. That also could be a macro way of looking at it. Rolex is a very big thinker. I think that they may see, you know, the game larger than we do. They may see this while, yes, temporarily beneficial. They may see this as long-term, you know, detrimental to the yeah. brand. Think about it. A regular guy, a, a, a people can no longer go in and hold a Rolex in a Rolex store. That's not great. No. That's not yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that, 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 that's, that's keeping yourself in a bubble in many ways. Uh, you know, years ago, you, you got to, you know, crave that Rolex for weeks, months, years before you went and bought it. You, you continue to aspire to it. Um, now, you, you, your, your attention is going off to a gray market dealer with separate interests that Rolex. It, 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 I don't know. I, I, I don't see that sustainable. Um, as far as media is, is concerned, I think that uh, I think that what we're doing is the future. I think that uh, Hodinkee will become even larger oh, yeah. than they are now. I think that that company will uh, Hodinkee will be a, a could be a media conglomerate. You know, Hodinkee could easily be a media conglomerate. Hodinkee will also be the largest authorized dealership in the country. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, good, you know, good for them. But I think that on, on the media end, uh, you're going to see a lot more creative content because, because the brands have had no choice. They have no choice. And, yeah. and it's sooner or you know, I, I, This reminds me of kind of like the big short uh, in the sense that I've placed my bet, but I was early, but I'm still going to be right. Oh, yeah, 100%. Definitely, without a doubt. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And as you said, Hadinki almost was sort of the start of this. Um, in the idea that it, it came in sort of at the same time as when as when YouTube started. I don't think we, I, I don't think sort of we'd be thing. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably agree with you. For me, it's you know, if it was, it was John Mayer's talking watches. That was it. That that, that was the video. That yeah. said, okay, watches, <laughs> yeah, watches same, are cool. Yeah. Watches are cool, and yeah. I and I'm in. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I think that Hodinkee's you know biggest challenge right now is going to be as the as the uh, uh, audience changes, becomes so much larger, uh, and 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 uh, less concentrated in in the, the the super super watch folks. I think that they're going to have a, have trouble. Um, with their with their content portfolio, uh, regular folks are not so interested in reading 500, 700, 900 you know, piece articles, editorials on watch history. They're not. Yeah. I think they're going to be far more likely to be involved in video. And Hodinkee, I think, is Hodinkee's behind the eight ball a little bit on on video. Uh, oh, yeah. That being said. They can catch up. They they will catch up. They'll do fantastic. They just released a week on the wrist this week that was that was good. I mean, it had some quirks and problems. People criticized it, but uh, it was done by um, one of the Hodinkee employees, Danny Milton. Um, you know, I think the guy's a lovely guy on Instagram. He's very active at Hodinkee. I think he's the one that, that hosted the Talking Watches. Yeah, recently. yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, I think that you know. Yeah. yeah. It it seems <clears throat> from the outside that that he could be the future of Hodinkee, you know, video personality. And if that's the case, then, you know, God bless him. I think that he, he definitely has that potential. And I just hope that they give him the infrastructure to continue building out video. Video's hard, you know, video's hard. And, and they can do it, of course. They're, they're, they're very well suited to do it. Um, but um, but it's, it's going to be a new rodeo. You know, it, it's, it's different than posting, you know, uh, uh, these long didactic article reviews that are only reliant on the brilliance that is Jack Forrester. Or, or Joe Thompson. You know, when you're involved in video, you're relying on, on the individual brilliance of six, seven people, eight people to pull something together. It's, it's, it's harder. It's yeah. harder. Mm. But to be honest, I still go mm. As you said, the, so I, I was gonna say, those talking watches, those original ones, were so palatable 
you know, everyone just, you'd, I, I remember just being excited to see them come out. Like, you'd, you'd be like, oh, there's new talking what's it? Oh, you know, I'm going to sit down and actually enjoy this. Whereas there's not many things, like, on YouTube these days where you'd be like, oh, I'm going to sit down and enjoy this for for half an hour sort of thing. And, and, and those, you said, you'd, you'd watch those and then immediately afterwards you'd have a completely different... Because so I remember watching the John Mayer one and started thinking more about watching that was cool. But then watching John Goldberger in... Um, you know, like Eric Koo and those guys, and then suddenly I had like a massive interest in vintage watches. And then yeah. I start digging around in more vintage. And then it just the whole sort of thing catches up. And I think it was that palatability of those early videos that made. But then it I so think it's different. I think it's so interesting because so I feel like they definitely sometimes. had that. Oh, sorry, Christian, go on. Well, so I was no, just going to say don't. that I feel like it's a good point because those early talking watches, I think they were very powerful and they really ignited, a, 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 you know, fire in the bellies of a lot of watch collectors. But actually, I think as the series has gone on, for me personally, I've got less and less interested. And I've actually, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, I've gravitated more towards your content to get the same enjoyment and pleasure that I did out of the talking watches in the early days mm. than I do now. I I get much more value out of the content that you put out than Hadinky do currently. I yeah, th- thank you. I mean, and, and the truth is, you know, just like everyone else, just like Hodinky, you know, we're still you know finding our way. One of the things that I've realized, you know, in in in, in growing this business over the last six years, and I'm sure that any business owners uh, can relate to this, and if not business owners, an individual, you know, people on their own in their own way. But you know, it's it, it's a lot like uh, you know. Uh, you know, pl- plugging a bunch of, you know, kind of holes in a ship, you know, as soon as you get one done, as soon as you get one down, something else pops out, you know, and, and while we've excelled with short films and storytelling and grown that part of the business, we neglected regular content and that suffered, you know, there's always, it's always mm-hmm. something. And, and the idea is uh, that quarter over quarter, the tides are higher in totality, right? You, you did a good job. Everything is up. But that being said, sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you are taking, you know, not losses financially, but you're, t- you're taking losses and things are dipping and it is very difficult. There's no, there's no doubt finding that balance, you know, and, and going, uh, yeah. Michael and I are, are producing kind of a series now where it's just 35 minutes of watch talk. You know, that's it. It, it doesn't require a lot of production. Mm. We're, we're allowed yeah. to, we're, that allows us to focus far more on, on much more serious, you know, projects for us, but it also gives our audience 35, 40 minutes of time to just get to know us again. Whereas when we're just the producers mm. of a short film, yeah, yeah. you know, it becomes what happened to Theo and Harris? What happened to the fun, yeah. you know, spunky kind of company that uh, makes inappropriate jokes sometimes? You know, what happened to that? You know, so yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I don't think I don't think you could have picked a better videographer than Michael. Like the videos that you two do together, I just sit there just in laughter. I think you two together in front of camera, there needs to be. If it was up to me, there'd be more yeah. of that. I think you and, two and, are brilliant. And, and it's will, just it's and so refreshing. Really, Michael's and... incredible. I mean, he just came on the team in October, and this guy is just... I mean, he's, he's unbelievable. And, and I give praise where it's due, but rarely do I find yeah. myself giving as much praise as I do to Michael. Uh, you know, this guy's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he really is. Well... Although I feel like this conversation could go on for many, many, many more hours and we'll have to get you on again because I feel like we, we've barely scraped the surface. I feel like we should probably draw this to a close. So, I mean, Christian, look, thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy day to come and talk to us, Team Muppets. Yeah. It's been amazing to, 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 you know, finally have this conversation, which I feel has been long overdue, and, and just talk about watches. You know, this is a typical episode of this podcast where there's no real structure. We've just seen where the conversation takes us, and I think it's been very interesting. So... 
thank you very much for coming on. Thank, yeah. thank you both. I mean, this is awesome. I mean, I'm, I'm so uh, uh, grateful to, to have like, you know, not just people online, but even like on, our, on Instagram, just personal dialogue with folks that uh, are like-minded. And every once in a while when the time zones click and, and there's a funny spark of conversation, you don't know who you get to, you, you know, you get to know people really well, you know, it, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, so it's definitely one of the ways yeah. I actually like to spend my time. Yeah. So thank you both, uh, you know, so much, really. Well, no, thank you. And, and it, it goes without saying that if you're ever out in London yeah. or in the UK when all of this COVID malarkey blows over, tap us up and we'll, uh, we'll show you around, take you to some proper pubs. And, uh, and yeah, exactly. thank, thank you very you much. Thank you so much, guys. Sweet. The, the fucking Peaky Blinders! And yeah, thank you, Mr. Moore, for joining. I was going to do the accent, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, please go and check out Christian and Theo and Harris at Christian Zaran and at Theo and Harris on Instagram. Uh, please go and check us out uh, at The Young Horologist on Instagram as well and also the website at theyounghorologist.com. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode. Cheers.